0: Hello, and welcome to The Elite, a podcast by the MedElite Group. My name is Susie Hertz, and I will be your host. The Elite is a podcast designed to provide informative discussion topics related to the medical field and nursing home industries. Welcome to The Elite. Today we have Dr. Daniel Berman with us, who specializes in infectious diseases, um, currently, Dr. Berman is an attending physician at Montefiore Medical Center. Um, he's part of the American College of Physicians Fellow, American Society of Internal Medicine, New York State Society of Internal Medicine, American Medical Association. Um, currently, Dr. Berman is working out of Montefiore Hospital in the Bronx. Um, and I'll allow Dr. Berman to elaborate a little bit more about what he's currently doing.
1: Okay, so um, I'm working primarily now as an um, inpatient consultant at the Einstein Division of Montefiore Medical Center. So um, the hospital is now being overrun with COVID-19 patients. There's an unbelievable amount of patients coming in, and I'm doing consultations on many of these patients, trying to help out trying to take care of them.
0: So let's just jump right into it. Obviously, you know, the elephant in the room, COVID-19. Um, We're all aware of the world pandemic we are currently all facing and dealing with. Um, What do you feel like is a common myth about COVID-19 that you feel like you would kind of like um, debunk or change the perspective on in a way?
1: Well, you know, things, the myths change from day to day. So um, I would say one problem that I see, actually, it's a very generational phenomenon as to what people consider a myth and what's not a myth. So for the younger people, um, they feel this is not so serious. It seems to be a case among a lot of young yeah,
0: people. Yeah, I feel you. That is definitely what I'm seeing around me.
1: Right. And I've found out that there are young people who are going around, hanging around with other people. And so I think the biggest myth, I think the younger generation, since they don't seem to be nearly as affected by the older generation, I never really considered myself old until now, found out 60 is, is old and this in and this infection. Um, But the younger generation is walking around, a lot of them thinking that this is nothing. This is really a very, very, very serious infection. And it's far more contagious than we thought it was. It's far more dangerous than we thought it was. So I I guess, to say it shortly, the the most common myth is that this is like a regular flu. So this is way beyond that. Much more contagious and much more dangerous.
0: So the myth that you're actually talking about um, is that this is way more serious than what the media is talking about, and we all really need to take this like way more seriously than we have and than we've been hearing about
1: yeah that's that's well said um, it's really
0: the myth I guess is that this is not serious, but th- you're saying this is actually very serious
1: This is very serious I mean the i mean first of all, the impact on individual lives and families has been so disrupted, so many people are very sick. In addition to that, the, the hospital and medical care system is being overwhelmed at an alarming rate. And just again, my own personal experience, I'm speaking from being an Einstein Hospital, part of the Montefiore hospital system, and they are scrambling around now trying to make extra beds. And it's not because it's, it's, it's real. You know, patients are just flying, flowing into the hospital, and there's just no room. So the, the governor has asked the um, hospitals to increase their bed capacity by 50%, um, but that's not possible in the current places where they are. So they're coming up with all kinds of very inventive ideas to try to increase the beds. In addition to that, um, it's true, you hear about stories in Italy about ventilators running out. Well, it's going to happen here very soon. It's already starting to happen here.
0: So hang on, I just want to tell our listeners, we are not here to um panic anybody or alarm anybody. Um the purpose of this is to bring facts and crucial information that people should be aware of, um, not in a way to panic, but in a way of being in um understanding the situation better and being informed and making better decisions, ultimately that will help the situation, you know, go away, hopefully. That's the goal. So um, we're going to jump into some discussion about this and, you know, we're going to touch on different things. Are We currently asked in York state specifically to shelter in place. Is that something that took place or not yet?
1: Um, I think I'm not, you know, I haven't really reviewed the most recent recommendations, exactly what they are, but generally uh, people are asked to not go anywhere unless they have to. And also um, meetings of you know, a lot of businesses that Um, have been asked to close non-essential businesses and also gatherings more than a certain number of people. And I just want to say that really that these kinds of steps are the most important things that we can do to to stop this. Um, It's not going to be an antiviral agent for a while. It's not going to be in the next few weeks. It's not going to be a vaccine for the next few weeks. So really the the single most important thing that we can do um, in order to control this is to curtail our, our intermingling with other people. The word social distancing has now become the you know, the word of our times now. And just to, as to what you just mentioned, Susie, about reducing panic, I want to stress the seriousness of the situation. But I also want to say that other countries have been able to control it. So China, for example, there are no more cases. Japan was able to control it. Korea, South Korea was able to control it. Singapore was able to control it.
0: What do you think we could learn from those countries that you just mentioned, which is a great point. And I think this could kind of like bring comfort to us right now because we're in the midst of dealing with this. How did they find a way to combat this and work through this? Like, what, what are we learning from them?
1: Yeah, well, we learn from them is two things. First of all, the, the importance of making rules to keep people separate. So that's, that's number one. And number two We learn from them that if the rules are followed, then it works. I think that's the most important lesson to learn, that we must follow the rules. People must not think they're smarter than or they know better. Follow the rules, do what we're told to do, maintain the separation and isolation, although it's very difficult and very painful for a lot of people, but it will work as it did in the other countries.
0: Well, I think the important thing that we also need to keep in mind is that even though an individual may think they're okay and they're not at risk and they're healthy, first of all, that's not true. But even if one thinks so um, you may infect somebody else who may be immune compromised. So really it's not necessarily about you yourself, but it's about the general, the population, It's not just right. about one individual.
1: I think it's a very good point. I think that social consciousness has to be raised to the ceiling right now. And, um, people have to realize that, I just want to add to what you said, Susie, that in addition to some people who may be without any symptoms or asymptomatic, but infected and may be transmitting the infection, there's also people who have minor symptoms and don't attribute those to this virus. And they kind of just brush them off. Well, I just have a little cold or something like that. I think it's extremely important for, for people to be very aware of their symptoms and be aware that if the minor symptoms are like a A little bit of a cough, a little bit of achiness, low-grade fever, or even without fever, that these symptoms can be very important and indicative of this infection.
0: Yeah, and I think that, like you said, people need to think about others. People need to think about the medical um, staff right now—the doctors, the nurses, the people that are out there in this chaos trying to help. If you are sick and you're going out, you're possibly going to infect somebody that could help uh, potentially save lives. So, really, do your part. Take part in this and, you know, stay home.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it's extremely important. The most important thing that if people do it, if people do what they're supposed to do, then the infection will have a couple of pass-throughs. Go from one person to another, and then maybe another person that just couldn't be helped within the same family. But if everyone follows the rules after that, it shouldn't go beyond that. So it should be a matter of of number of weeks and it should subside, but it really requires everybody to cooperate.
0: Yeah. Um, what about grocery shopping? How, how are we feeling about that these days?
1: I mean, I've been asked this question many times. And um, although there is a theoretical risk that one can say that the virus is on surfaces, um, I think that um, for the most part, I think it's really safe. Um, a lot of stores are making great efforts. And I really thank them um, for making things as safe as possible. By um, frequently cleaning counters, spacing the customers, allowing a certain number in at a time, maintaining, uh, encouraging the social distancing. So, I think that if, if that's all done, then I think really that it's, it's fine to go to shopping. I, I don't think there's really a significant risk of that the food's been contaminated or, or things like that. So, I think people shouldn't worry too much about that, but really more conscious in, in the shopping experience to just be aware of social distancing and cleaning of the hands. And I think it's fine with that.
0: So on to, um, hospitals, um, again, this is not to panic. This is really just relay information. I know a lot of people are curious, like how are the hospitals functioning right now? What are they facing?
1: Yeah. I mean, they're facing a very difficult situation. Um, I must say that, um, a lot of healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, therapists, and even the, the operators who answer the phone, orderlies who bring the patient to the test, are doing an incredible job. I mean, they're they're not they're not backing down. They're they're doing their jobs despite tremendous difficulty and risk. So that's that's very encouraging. Um, at the same time, it, you know, the reality is that it's, it's a very difficult, very difficult situation. And um, and the, the key thing is to to get people to cooperate so we don't have more and more patients sick because um, as more and more patients get sick.
0: So we're talking a lot about um, getting society in general to cooperate from your experience and what you're seeing um, from your position. Are you seeing that people are not cooperating with what they've been asked to do?
1: Yeah, I would say I, mean, I haven't really seen it firsthand. Of course, yeah. Hearing secondhand. So for example, I, w- I was speaking to, um, uh, to somebody who is around 26 years old he was telling me that he got it from his roommate, that his roommate was, was going around and socializing and hanging out. Um, I also spoke to a nurse around the same age group, around, also around 26. She was telling me on her social media, and this was, um, this conversation was about four days ago, or three days ago. told me that still the, the young people in her age group were hanging around together, sharing hookah together. and really seemed to be oblivious to the, to the whole situation. So again, how widespread this is, um, I don't know, but these were just a couple of examples of people in that age group seem to be oblivious to the situation. And I
0: think that's kind of like the myth that we talked about in the beginning. And we'll kind of jump back there because I think really what's really important for people to realize I'm gathering from you is that even though you may feel fine, you could very much likely be a carrier of this. I would say the the rate that this is going around and how contagious this is, I would guess that a lot of people are carriers with no symptoms. So just because you seem fine, you're most likely have it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to know exactly um, how much someone who's asymptomatic transmits. Uh, we believe that is the case probably someone who's very sick with fever and a cough will transmit it much more efficiently. I just want to add one more point Um, The question is asked about someone who obviously has the infection or diagnosed with the infection, whether they can transmit it before they have symptoms. So the the general feeling from the China experience is that they would be able to transmit the infection for at least the 24 hours prior to exhibiting symptoms, maybe even 48 hours. Before that, probably not. But again, the the period where the person will be most contagious is when he has the
0: symptoms. Okay. But you don't know when those symptoms are going to come out. And we really just need to be um, hypervigilant and do what we need to do.
1: Right. Every, everybody is at risk. There's no one, you know, unless someone has been locked up in their in their house for two weeks and hasn't seen anybody, um, anybody else who's been out there is really is at risk of catching from anybody.
0: Well, I think that was part of like what's on the media. And I'm sure you've seen and I've seen um, a lot of the talks were elderly population and immunocompromised. And they kind of kept on saying that young people don't have what to worry about. Although right now we're seeing that that's not accurate. I myself have heard of younger people in their twenties in the hospital and ICU and in the ICU. Um, and also there was some children unfortunately affected by this as well. Um, and I think that that's important for people to realize that. What, what is your experience with that?
1: Yeah, so again, um, it's hard to know, even looking at the China experience, it's clear that the people who are older and had comorbidities, such as hypertension and diabetes, again, older was people over 50, clearly did way worse than the younger population. There were very few deaths, almost none in people under 20, and between 20 and 30, very, very few. So the, the truth is that the mortality, at least from the China experience, is very low, although a lot of people can get very sick. So you know, people can get, let's say, someone in their 30s get put on a ventilator, and we've had some, some deaths, but most of them end up getting better. So I think what's happened is that it, is, it can have a devastating effect on young people, and there are some young people, unfortunately, who die, who've gotten very sick. But I think that each one gets highlighted in the media, so everyone hears about you know, one particular young person who had a bad outcome. It's still, overall.
0: It's but I think maybe this is the one time that I would actually think the, the media is doing a good job because maybe that's going to help people stay at home and realize that this is not just the elderly population and immunocompromised, you know? This right. is really hitting everybody. Nobody is safe from this, so to speak.
1: Right, right. It's a good point for those who completely lack social consciousness and worried about themselves that it's important to let them know that there are some young people. Um, but again, the let's say I'm seeing at at in um, the hospital now. You know, the, the overwhelming majority of people that I am seeing are in fact people that are over fifty with underlying conditions. But there are some young people who come in very very sick. So as far as I'm concerned, every young person who gets this infection is at risk to have very serious complications.
0: And I I look at it kind of like you know when we like our age generation is going to hit the fifties and sixties, and you know. 2 or 3 decades from now and there may be another outbreak think about what you would want the younger generation to do you know you always have to think ahead and you want to lead by example you know you want to do what you need to do so hopefully when it comes your time to be in that age range the people are going to do that for you
1: Well Susie you're speaking for yourself you're in that generation I'm in the older generation so Well
0: yeah I mean that's how I feel you know I,
1: I, mean, I appreciate that I really appreciate that
0: what can we do from home to help? A lot of us, although a lot or not, uh, or a majority or some are not following the directions, I know that there's a nice portion and amount of people that are staying home. Um, what can we do to help from home?
1: Well, I think that, again, the first thing you can do is stay at home. Um, second, I would say that, you know, there are some people who are you know, in part of communities, and um, maybe a synagogue or a church community. And those, particularly those involved in those kind of communities, unless there are some neighborhood communities, really have an opportunity to help. Because there are a lot of people who need a lot of help. You know, people who are by themselves or even their families who are locked in and quarantined. And really, you know, they can't go out shopping. So anybody who's involved in some kind of social network and is not quarantined and is able to go out. Again, going out just for things that are necessary, it would be really very important for people really not to think about themselves, but think about other people. And it's a great opportunity for people to think about others and to help other people and to find a way to volunteer to go shopping or take, of other, take care of other things. Again, without exposing themselves, you know, if you go shopping, you pick up the food and you drop it off in front of the apartment or the house, let the people know and leave. But I think it's, it's extremely important. For those who are able to help those who are trapped in their homes.
0: Yeah. And I think that this could kind of also be used um, as an outlet perhaps for the people that are feeling the need to get out, get out, but do good while you're out, you know, take that time, go shopping for your neighbor, ask around who needs help and get your time out and do what others are unfortunately are not able to do.
1: Yeah. I think that people a lot of people have been sort of involved in taking care of their own selfish needs. I think that people are going to discover if they help others that the enjoyment of, of helping others is beyond any enjoy- enjoyment that a person has just to or just to have a good time. So I,
0: but think I think kind of like this disease, um, this whole experience is going to teach all of us that really it's going to take all of us together to come together to fight this because individually it's just not going to work. We really all need to come together on this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I hope, again, I say this is going to end, you know, within a certain amount of time, it's going to end. And I just hope that the world becomes a better place after that, that people will get used to thinking about others, thinking less about themselves. Maybe there'll be a purpose to all this to make the world a better place.
0: I hope so. What are you curious about right now in regards to COVID-19 and kind of seeing, I guess, how healthcare and how this is all going to play out?
1: Yeah, I mean, right now, I think for me as an infectious disease physician, I'm most interested in you know, what the therapies are going to be. and Is there
0: a discussion about therapies right
1: now? Oh Yeah, I mean, they're working very, very hard. Um, actually, China made a very good contribution by very quickly identifying the virus and um, giving a, a full picture of the virus so that the way vaccines and treatments can be developed is by working on certain parts of the virus. So to kill certain essential parts of the virus that would be an effective agent to kill the virus and develop a vaccine to take a part of the virus that could induce some kind of immunologic or antibody response in the body and use that to create a vaccine. So since we have very quickly have gotten a clear picture of this virus, um, you know, there are many people working feverishly um, to try to develop some cure in vaccines, and I think it's going to happen.
0: How far along do you think we are from having a vaccine or some kind of antiviral?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a while. I mean, the um, as far as the vaccine, I mean they're talking about a year, and antivirals. Um, you know, by the time you collect the data and really see um, you know um, you know beneficial effect, I, I don't see that happening uh, before a few months. You know, three six months.
0: Are there any resources in regards to COVID nineteen that individuals in their homes? or nursing home facilities could um, utilize at this time?
1: Yeah, I mean, the CDC website is a is, is phenomenal. I mean, it's pretty easy to use and it has it, you know, it has different um, parts that some for physicians, some for nursing home facilities, some for hospitals and some for the general public. I think the, the best thing to do is to access the, uh, the CDC website and really, you know, the information as it changes from day to day is there.
0: Yeah, and I think also um, there is, um, if you text to 692-692, that is the New York State hotline, right, for COVID-19, and they send you direct updates whenever they're available. So if you want to sign up for that, um, you could do that on your own time. Um, I know that we may have sounded a little bit alarming in some of our discussion. Um, Now take that aside. How could one stay calm given that they have all this information now? Like what should we do with all this information?
1: Yeah, I think the way to stay calm is to, to realize two things. Although the situation is serious and it's important to understand the seriousness so that people will be motivated to make sacrifices, to do what they have to do to end it. But this will end. No, this will end, and again, to, as I said before, it's ended in many countries already. The first ones to have it have been the first ones to end it. So we're a bit of later in the curve, but it will end. Again, in order to end as quickly as possible, we need everybody's cooperation.
0: I think that was kind of really the purpose of this discussion and really bringing everything up into detail and not shying away from anything was really to bring the importance of what we need to do right now to help this go away. And also, like you said, this will go away and we need to hold on to that hope that it will go away if we all do what we need to do. But we also need to understand the severity of what is happening right now.
1: That's right. I think you summarized what I've said.
0: In terms of uh, maintaining a healthy life right now, like we're all locked in at home, right? Um, Like, what are your suggestions to people staying at home? Like, what could people do to keep
1: up with a healthy immune system. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of hard to know, but um, cause I'm so busy um, doing what I do in the medical field that it's, I haven't had the luxury of um, having to figure out what to do. Um, but I, I think that um, one thing that it's okay to do, at least in certain areas is to take a little walk outside, um, get a little fresh air, get a little exercise, but I think very important to continue to maintain the social distancing. So even if you see somebody that you know, and, you
0: know, don't you stop can, and chat and
1: right, have right. well Well, you can, but if only if you can do it with social distancing. I, I think people are starved for socialization, just to you know, to so find somebody that you know you haven't you really wouldn't speak too much, but you decided to
0: and I think we could kind of like um, take from what we're seeing in Italy, which is beautiful. Um, they have all these videos going around where they're all going on their balconies and they're socializing through the balconies, and I think that. You know, our geographics might be a little bit different here, but we can still talk to our neighbors from across the street, you know, and um, keep the social distancing.
1: Yeah. I would make one of a suggestion suggestions that um, I think every person should think of some people that they could call and find out how they're doing. So if you think about someone who's by themselves, someone who's been through a difficult time, maybe someone who's lost somebody, somebody who really needs someone to talk to, So go through your mind, think about people like that and make it your business to call those people, call them once a day, call them every couple of days, call them once a week, whatever's appropriate, but take a list of people that you can connect to and make them feel better.
0: I like that. I think that's um, very important. And also I think very doable as a lot of us are sitting at home anyways, and we have the time right now. So I think that is um, a beautiful kind of a beautiful act of kindness for all of us to participate in. And like you said, call somebody that doesn't have anybody or somebody that's going to be something and be there for them. That's beautiful. Thank you. What is the takeaway you want the audience to walk away with after, you know, listening to our discussion,
1: you know, be smart, have social consciousness, care about other people and this will end.
0: Right. You guys heard this directly from Dr. Berman. Infectious diseases in um, Montepurier Hospital. Social distancing. Do what you need to do and this will end. Um, If anybody needs any um, consultations or assistance from Dr. Berman, you can reach out directly to me and I will connect you. You can email me at suzie, S-U-S-I-E, and medleadgroup.com and I will do my best to assist you. Thank you again for tuning in today. Thank you, Dr. Berman for joining us. I hope that next time you come on, this is all past us and we have some other um, good things to talk about, not COVID related, hopefully.
1: I look forward to that.
0: All right, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate and comment. Let us know what you think. And of course, feel free to check out our website, metaleadgrp.com. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and on your favorite podcast station. Bye-bye now.